Hi, everyone, and welcome to Commodities Conversation. I'm Ali Curry. On today's episode, we're discussing a couple of topics. We'll take a look at how energy transitions and the adoption of renewable fuels can have significant impacts on capital markets. There is an industry-wide transition towards cleaner energy. It is happening fast, creating opportunities and pitfalls, which begs the question, is today's commodities market equipped for the pressures of energy transition? We'll also discuss how ESG affects the traditional commodities business. ESG stands for environmental, social, and governance. It refers to a set of criteria that investors and other stakeholders use to evaluate a company's performance in these three areas. And to help us unpack how energy transition is impacting the commodities industry is our guest, Andre Yeager from Ion Commodities Product Management Team. Andre Yeager, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Ali. Andre, before we get to our conversation, let's learn a little bit more about you. Tell us about your background prior to what you were doing now at Ion. Actually, I was born and raised in Berlin, Germany, so you might hear a slight German accent. I moved a little bit around for some time. I'm back in Berlin now, but living here actually with my wife and two boys. I studied industrial engineering. It's a mix between kind of finance risk management. I was always interested in technology and trading with a focus on commodities and on the other side, kind of focus on mechanical engineering side, going deeper into energy technology. And actually, back in the days, my thesis was around kind of the starting EU carbon markets and related trading. So it's almost like full full circle. Did my master's in the US. And actually, fun fact, back in the days, I always wanted to work for Enron was the big name in commodity trading. I actually busted before I was on the market for a job. So somewhat lucky. Share with us, what are you doing now at Dion? Your different roles, locations? I actually started 2004 working for OpenLink. This is one of the companies that Ion acquired quite a long time with the organization, but I actually had the chance to kind of work various roles and locations over the years. Nowadays, I'm still in product management, running a cross-product SME team that we call Industry Solution. So the idea is that we're representing kind of the market of our commodity business. That means we work very closely with our clients, working on our product positioning, strategic roadmap, kind of monitor market developments, look into partnerships, and then, of course, providing also sales support from an SME perspective. Great. Well, thank you for sharing. Andre, let's start with some background on energy transition. Can you explain to us what is it and why is it important to the commodities market? Energy transition refers to the energy sector or almost kind of whole of society to shift from fossil fuel-based energy systems, so including oil, natural gas, and coal, to renewable energy sources like wind and solar. And yeah, the idea, or you try to combine that with kind of sustainability and decarbonization, which is a key topic to kind of protect biodiversity, limiting climate change. So it's a prominent topic worldwide at the moment. What commodities and commodity markets are in focus on energy transition right now? I think you really can include all commodity markets in almost all regions where we have kind of a large percentage of the population uh, with access to kind of power and transportation. Unfortunately, there's still kind of different places in the world where you have different issues than energy transition. In general, if you look at the commodities specifically, you have kind of a little bit the, the good and the bad. So you have the dark side, which is 
kind of fossil fuels like coal, crude oil, and related refined products, which are gasoline, diesel, jet fuels. Then you have the ones that are kind of considered a little bit better or kind of transition commodity like natural gas and LNG for transportation purposes. LNG is just a liquefied version of natural gas. And this is viewed as transition commodity due to the lower carbon intensity in comparison to coal and crude. Then you have the good side or the green side and some people views around kind of wind, solar, hydrogen, if it's produced with a low carbon footprint, biofuels. And then you have a couple of ones that kind of sit somewhere in between or depending on who you talk to. For example, nuclear, is it sustainable? Is it not? That really depends on who you would talk to in this context. From a global perspective, which countries are leading the way in the energy transition efforts? I would say there's a couple of regions we can highlight. Also in the EU or Europe, you definitely have kind of the Nordic regions where you have kind of strong renewable usage based on wind, based on hydrogen. Is anyway a big topic in the EU, especially now that kind of cheap Russian energy is not kind of an option anymore. Then definitely China, on one hand, one of the largest carbon emitters, but on the other hand, they're adding probably the largest amount of renewable energy production capacity per year. And then the U.S., especially recently with the Inflation Reduction Act, which included kind of billions of dollars to spur financing and development of new clean energy projects. You have that across the board. And especially if you kind of think about what's happening in the U.S., I was last week on a conference that was actually a big topic talking about kind of that Inflation Reduction Act on the U.S. side and that the U.K. and EU need to kind of respond with a similar program to kind of even a little bit the playing field. So I, based on kind of what you see on the US side, expect even more happening also now on the European side. In the last couple of years, COVID and more recently, the war in Ukraine have disrupted uh, a lot of the distribution, many supplies and services. But now that COVID has receded, has the war alone continued to affect uh, energy transition efforts? Since the COVID days, energy demand has kind of significantly increased. I think we're close to or maybe above pre-COVID levels. We probably remember that during COVID times, demand was so low that we saw the first time ever WTI oil drop to a negative price. Uh, was the first time in history. Now we're further away. We're currently between $70 and $80 for a barrel. Especially on the European side, we see kind of an additional focus on energy transition. And this is a little bit related to kind of getting a higher degree of energy independence and to kind of achieve that with utilizing more renewable energy production. In the short term, it's on one end energy savings and then potentially LNG deliveries coming from the US or Middle East. But in the longer term or medium term is clearly replace some of the Russian gas with renewables. And we have seen that I read recently a statistic from the International Energy Agency, which kind of estimated that the yearly growth was, since 2020, around 12% for clean energy investment. So it was already a big focus. And now, based on some of these changes that we're seeing, higher demand, as well as kind of replacing some of the, the Russian gas, it will be even a bigger focus. So because of this accelerated growth that you mentioned, the big question is, how equipped is the commodities market to respond to this kind of swell of interest and demand? What uh, infrastructure challenges should they be prepared to resolve? So I have a little bit the ion perspective because I work very closely with our existing client base. 
And especially on the commodity trading side, I believe our clients are very well equipped to kind of be successful in that green business areas. A lot of our clients embrace the related opportunities. It's close to what they do today. And there's synergies to combine some of the kind of dark side with the green side that I talked earlier about when we kind of classify some of these commodities, because there's a lot of synergies and similarities between the commodity, but all of them, as I said, see kind of value in diversification into renewable. So the two infrastructure that come to mind, the first of all, you have to understand kind of how power works at the moment as electrification as part of renewable adoption is a key topic. But you have to kind of understand that demand and supply needs to be in sync at any point in time. So at the moment, we don't have any large scale storing possibility of power. You have maybe some batteries, some pump storage on the hydro side, but this is not meaningful in the context of supply and demand. And this is very different to some of the other commodities like oil, where you can store and based on the lack or limited amount of storage, you see much more frequently kind of the power side run into kind of negative prices. On the other hand, we're kind of switching from that traditional power where we kind of had previously the full dependency, you kind of were burning gas or coal, which now becomes more expensive because carbon has an associated cost or an associated value uh, via carbon trading. But you basically had an optimization problem. You had to decide when is it favorable to produce power. Of course, you had some technical dependency, how fast you can ramp up your power plan. But at the end, you were optimizing kind of the fuel cost you are up and down ramp times, and then kind of what is the market value on power. Now in the renewable power world, it's a little bit different because we have a dependency on wind and sun. And when the wind is not blowing or the sun is not shining, no energy is produced and you need to be able to fill in when that's not the case. So it comes on one hand, it's a forecasting problem, not necessarily an optimization problem because you can forecast when it will be produced, but you cannot optimize it yourself. And based on that will be also a much bigger focus on solving that storage problem. Doesn't matter if it's battery technology or hydrogen. The second one I would want to quickly highlight on the power side is kind of the network aspect. So we talked about previously at kind of fossil fuels producing the power and you basically kind of decided where to build the power plant. Now we have kind of more decentralized generation. It has different requirements from a network perspective. So you need to connect an offshore wind park because the wind is much better on the ocean versus somewhere on land. So you need to kind of connect the network or you need to kind of export solar power from where the sun is shining. So in Europe, you have always that discussion, how do you collaborate or utilize kind of North Africa, build some wind and solar parks somewhere in the Sahara, but then still you have to connect the network. And network is usually also that component that is regulated because you don't want to build multiple networks in parallel. So you have kind of that natural monopoly that needs to be kind of uh, managed. You need to kind of regulate access and then ensure that you have competition on the production as well as on the customer service side. So this is two infrastructure challenges to always keep in mind when you think about the electrification and how you can solve that in combination with energy transition. Well, it's clear that energy transition is driving many of these key challenges for the commodity markets. But what tools or solutions are the commodity markets asking for in order to effectively navigate this energy transition effort? Again, I will try to take a little bit the ion perspective. So why are our clients kind of getting into the energy transition? Well, first of all, decarbonization and ESG objectives that they set for themselves. 
in some cases might be mandatory participations. If I'm a refiner or uh, electricity producer, I have to kind of have certain amounts of renewable fuels or carbon. Or I think the biggest power clients is the opportunity in green business because there's a lot of demand. Everybody wants to be sustainable. So it's about kind of supporting the demand. Who are our clients on the on the commodity side? A lot of utilities, power marketers, commodity traders, producers, integrated oil companies. And the three focus areas that I would kind of highlight, and some of our clients are in all three, but some depending on where the businesses are focused on those. So the first area is around biofuels and then related uh, renewable fuel certificates. The second area is renewable power and green power certificates. And the third one is carbon mark. And what are the problems that they try to solve? It's on one hand, kind of managing the trade life cycle of those related commodities. So it's on one hand, the certificates for the different markets, but as I said, the underlying commodities. And this is then kind of end-to-end coverage of what they do from a trade life cycle. It's capturing trades, doesn't matter if it's OTC or future, it's then kind of evaluating market risk, credit risk, and kind of managing all the back office activity from confirmation to settlement to kind of ensure that you get paid. The other part to highlight is kind of manage the commodity supply chain of the related fuels. You have to kind of monitor your inventories, you want to kind of manage the blending activity between kind of traditional hydrocarbons and renewable fuels. And as part of that, you manage different modes of transports like truck, rail movement, vessels. And then, of course, you have that in combination with the related certificates that kind of uh, certify the greenness and the renewable component of your fuels. And you need to reconcile that certificates and related IDs, etc. And both in combination enables them to kind of have the level of transparency that's kind of key to kind of monitor what's happening on the business side. You want to avoid that people might run into some type of greenwashing activity. So something that's not considered as really green and is just about making money and you want your organization to kind of avoid such a PR nightmare. So it's all about kind of ensuring transparency and some control of what's happening on that green business area. And on the other hand, also not just the control, but also enabling decision support and optimize the business. That's at the end kind of what we bring for our clients. Due to the accelerating speed of global energy transition, businesses face increasingly complex processes in today's fast-moving commodity markets. Ion Commodities offers industry-proven, highly scalable commodity trading and risk management, CTRM, solutions that address the industry's needs. Discover how our solutions help you manage the traditional and renewable value chain and support your own diversification into renewables. Visit us at iongroup.com commodities. I think that you've shared with us some, some great points as to where the transition market is headed. Overall, where do you see the energy transition market headed in the near future? So first, as it would be great, but I don't believe we have kind of a silver bullet for decarbonization. So sometimes or very often you hear nuclear fusion technology as something that kind of might be that silver bullet, but I don't believe the the situation or the technology is there to kind of solve that problem in the near term. So I expect the continuation of what we're seeing today. I definitely see that carbon will become more expensive even. And it will become more and more difficult to finance traditional fossil fuel business. Based on that, I expect that we see higher prices 
combined with higher volatility because it will be or in the kind of near term or medium term we still we will see a decent demand on fossil fuel itself now earlier you talked about esg let's unpack that for a minute let's start with defining what is esg esg stands for environmental social and corporate governance and refers to a set of standards for a com- company's behavior at the end so based on my background, I clearly focus on that E or environmental component of ESG. And E stands for me in this context for kind of a sustainable and carbon neutral business model at the end. Why are these ESG considerations becoming increasingly important, especially in the commodities market? I actually read an interesting statistic from a KPMG market insight, and we actually used that as an kind of audience engagement question for presentation we gave last week. And the question was, what percentage of UK private equity firms have stepped away from a deal due to ESG concerns? And the answer was actually 70%. And this is quite significantly. And I don't believe that just private equity is doing that. It's also kind of the public is looking for investments that are meeting ESG standards. And I think at the same time, you always read about Kind of increased profitability and performance of sustainable business models. And I think on the other hand, every person would like to kind of, of course, if he or she invests the money, wants to make some money, but on the other hand, they want to have a good conscience about, okay, here's some sustainable business that is not kind of creating climate change or some other kind of issues on the environmental side, at least, or same for social or other government standard. Now, that's some insight from the investor point of view. What are some benefits for companies to adopt ESG practices? So I see two areas. One is kind of employer differentiation. So sustainability as part of kind of the business model feels good to work for a company that kind of wants to make a difference for equality and environmental sustainability. And then I think on the service or on the product side, it's kind of a differentiation for the consumer. As mentioned, not just on the investment side, the consumer is getting more conscious on what products and services to buy and looking for kind of something that has that sustainable label and where they are kind of somewhere sure that it's meeting those particular standards. Now, there are some companies and industry groups that may oppose ESG. They see it as an additional regulatory burden or a threat to their profitability. What, what can you tell us about this kind of pushback? I don't see too many people that openly pushing back ESG, but if we talk about regulation in general, I think there's two things that I would want to highlight in the context of energy transition. So for the energy sectors, I think what the companies are looking for is kind of some type of regulation that kind of has some long-termness in mind and provides the necessary security to support larger investment and avoid kind of moving goalposts or kind of changes in regulation too frequently because it's bigger investments that are required to kind of move the energy transition forward and they want to have some security to make those investments. The other thing around regulation I thought was very interesting on the same conference I talked earlier about was interesting to see how many companies that were kind of speaking on the various panels asked for additional government responses in relation to that U.S. Inflation Act I talked earlier about, they would like to see something similar on the UK or EU side to kind of 
level out the playing field. So it's not that all regulation is bad. They would want to see kind of some measures that support the energy transition. So overall, what do you see uh, ESG becoming? Do you see ESG becoming increasingly mainstream or will it continue to be a nice to do versus a must do initiative for companies? I think it will become a must do to attract investors, employees and consumers. So I think for almost all companies, it will be important to have a sound story around kind of ESG. Andre, earlier we briefly touched on different types of energies that the commodities markets are focusing on. Solar and wind being the most widely known sources of renewable energy. Can you further explain these different types of energies, biofuels, hydrogen, biogas, and geothermal? So let's start with biofuel. Biofuel is, is at the end the fuel that's produced over a short time span compared to kind of the millions of years where natural gas and crude was formed. So it's kind of similar uh, created from biomass, usually based on fermentation of sugars or starches, but it's happening in a much shorter time compared to kind of the fossil fuels. And the output is usually something like ethanol, biodiesel, or what is actually very big focus on the sustainable aviation fuels. The complication you have on the biofuel side is always that discussion food versus fuel, because you need to kind of, from an agriculture perspective, need to decide what I'm growing or what do I produce out of that component. Is it a food for somebody to eat or is it fuel in this context, which depending on how to think about it might be complicated if people are still starving to kind of put that into context. The second one you asked about was hydrogen. Hydrogen is at the end a chemical element, it's the lightest, it's not new, it's already widely used for industry processes, it's combustible. The only advantage or the advantage is that the output is only water if you burn hydrogen. So no CO2 in combination with electrolysis and renewable kind of power production, uh, you can produce low carbon hydrogen, which a lot of the hydrogens that are used today is actually produced out of natural gas. And as part of that, you actually generate CO2. So the key is to get to a low carbon hydrogen as part of energy transition. The other thing was interesting to kind of understand, you see in, in the world of hydrogen, at the moment, a lot of color. It's actually, I think in reality, it's colorless, but the industry distinguished different types of colors based on how the hydrogen was produced. So you have gray hydrogen, for example, you utilize steam reforming from natural gas, which is, I think, the kind of most common production of hydrogen. And you have blue hydrogen. Again, you use natural gas, steam reforming, but this time you combine it with carbon capture. And you have green hydrogen, where you use electrolysis with renewable energy. You have also pink and there's various other colors. So it's an interesting commodity at the moment, very colorful. Next area is biogas. It's usually a mixture of gases, primarily consists of methane. It's produced from agriculture waste, uh, manure or wastewater. And the advantage is that you capture the methane that's kind of usually emitted and you make it usable for kind of energy production could be for heating purposes or for power generation. And that's actually great because methane has a much higher warming power compared to carbon dioxide, I think around 80 times or something like that. So it's great that you kind of capture that methane and then also make it usable from kind of energy production perspective. So this is biogas. And I think the last one you asked about is geothermal energy. Geothermal is also a type of renewable energy. Uh, you basically take heat from the Earth's core. It is 
very similar from a power plant perspective to a traditional power plant, but instead of burning a fuel, you get the heat out of the ground. And then you have a very similar turbine steam cycle to generate power using geothermal activity. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not everywhere possible. You need to have reasonable heat levels, also needs to be hot to generate steam at the end, and it needs to be happening at the reasonable depths at the end. So Iceland is, for example, a great example where I think 95% of the energy need comes out of geothermal energy at the end. How would commodities trading affect the different types of energies? Because they have very complicated processes behind them uh, and they pose some very unique management challenges. How would the trading affect the different types of energies? Trading for me is a very effective mechanic. It ensures optimization towards the most cost-effective, profitable technology. And a key in the energy transition is to kind of have a view on or put a value or cost on carbon intensity. And at the end, I think the complication is less important in this context. If there is a more complicated process that gives the amount of energy as combined with very kind of low carbon intensity, it will be adopted because you have a differentiation or an advantage in comparison to other processes. Andre, before we close out, what advice do you have for anyone entering financial technology or thinking about switching to commodities? The first thing I would highlight that's for sure interesting times in commodities at the moment. Big changes are happening in the industry. Exciting times to help decarbonization. Uh, it will take some time, but it's very important to move that forward. And as part of that, I think we will see new markets are being created, new business models are established, and it's a race kind of for implementing a sustainable energy industry. And it will be always about optimizing three areas. It's about energy security. You still want to keep it affordable. And then key is to come to something that's more sustainable with a lower carbon footprint. And based on some of these changes, we will see a decent amount or a lot of volatility, depending on who you talk to, on the commodity prices. And this, on the other hand, I think is exciting times from a risk management perspective. We see a lot of demand around kind of related analytics, decision support, and capabilities to optimize that business during the energy transition. So you have kind of everything stays kind of nice and fresh, is changing, and then you have kind of some interesting risk management problems that need to be solved in this context. What is some advice that you wish you had heard earlier in your career? Maybe not really in the context I've heard earlier in my career, but I definitely would want to reiterate how important it is to focus your business career on something that you're kind of interested, excited about. As I was always excited about the mix of kind of technology, commodities, and trading risk management. So I still enjoy what I'm doing. And especially now in combination with energy transition, and kind of that acceleration, it's even more interesting. So that is the key advice from my side. Do something that you like. You spend a lot of time at work, so find the right combination for yourself. Now, like many people, you're a busy person. You're juggling multiple responsibilities. Can you share with us, what is your go-to productivity hack? The key thing in, in my world was always to develop a good internal and external network. My experience is that if you help people, that they will help you. So it's very key that kind of as part of building that network, that you treat people like you want to be treated yourself. And it doesn't matter if 
they're above or below kind of the hierarchy. And such a network will provide significant productivity advantages when you're in need to, to move something forward because people will treat you very similar like you treated them before. Andre Yeager, thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. I hope you come back and visit us again. Thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure chatting with you. And that's our episode for today. You can follow Ion Commodities on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us. Until next time.